is wrong with that young man. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> one of the homies sent me a, um, right before I went live, I saw a video from the pivot. And if you not, if you watch the pivot, you know, anything about the pivot, that brother Channing, Channing, he a wild brother. He a wild brother. Um, <laughs> let me do a couple of things before we get this thing really, really cracking. Wowzers, man. Y'all some wild, wild, he a wild boy. He a wild boy. I hope my camera doesn't fall as I record this. Mm, mm, mm. Hold on, y'all. We about to get this show on the road. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and you're tuned in to the only sports podcast with brains and bars, you're tuned into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing featuring A1 and A Ward. I am one half of the dynamic duo. I am A1. You can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, choosing, I'm sorry, excuse me, searching for brains and bars, um searching for it's a black and white thing rate comment review subscribe all that good stuff share um you can check us out on youtube where we're live right now by going to um at brains and bars uh i, I, I just search brains and bars hit the notification bell comment subscribe share 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 you can also follow us on tiktok instagram twitter and facebook all by searching brains and bars so Shout out to the homie uh, Ward in his absence. Um, you know, he he is basking in the glow of his victory versus uh, <laughs> Gwitty. Shout out to Jay, that guy, style, style, the platform. That event went down this weekend, um, or this past weekend. Dope event. Um, got to see some of KC's up-and-comer, some of those who've been in the KC uh, battle rap scene. Um, you got to see Jay, that guy take on T-Top, got to see Dot versus Bad News, Marasha, um, making a return in a one rounder versus Jay Love, um, obviously Ward and Gwitty. So if you have not, if you're in the Kansas City area, you wanted to be there, you could not see it live, couldn't be in the building, you can go cop the VOD, shout out to Ruin Your Day, Avocado and team were in the building. So you know the stream was, was crispy, you know the quality was crispy. Um, and so if you want to go check that out, please go check that out um, at, by going to rapgrid.com. I believe the banner for the platform we hear, I believe that is front and center on the Rap Grid page. You click on that. If you don't have an account, create an account, sign up, become a uh, get an account, and you can buy the VOD. I think it's only 25 bucks, and you get to see like 10 battles, I believe. Um, I think it's four three-round battles and then six one-round battles. So go support, support, support. Um, I want to make sure. Okay, I think I'm good money on this one. Um, anyway, yeah, so we got a, a interesting show lined up for you tonight. I got a couple of things I want to get into. We're obviously going to talk wildcard week. I'm not wildcard divisional weekend recap. Look ahead to Super Sunday or Championship Sunday in the NFL. I also have a score. I, I shouldn't say a score. I have a rebuttal to some comments that Ryan Clark made on. Um, I believe it was Get Up. On Monday, um, very controversial regarding Brock Purdy. But uh, let's get into it, man. Let's talk about these games. Let's get into these games. So first up, I want to get into Houston versus Baltimore. I'm just not a whole lot to say about this game, man. I mean, it was part of the reason why the Ravens are uh, seen as the favorites uh, to win the NFL, win the, uh, the the Super Bowl this year, it's because of their defense. Their defense was amazing. They only gave up three points the entire game. Roquan Smith um, and Patrick Queen, Beast, 
Justin Matabike, beast. Um, Jadavian Clowney seems to have found a home for himself and it is and it's out there making plays. Shout shouts out to them, shouts out to that defense, man. They are really, really, really good. And in the second half, Lamar Jackson and the offense, again, they got a touchdown late in the second half, uh, or late in the second quarter. They turn up in the second half, three touchdowns back to back to back. They pull away from Houston um and end their season. And first, let, let me just give once again, props to the job that D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud did. Even under the duress that he was in in that particular uh, matchup, he still was making plays and making good throws. But there were levels. Um, I feel like Saturday, and at least in that particular game, was about levels. Um, and the battle rap event will award. If we can't, if we can't pull up tonight, we're definitely going to talk to him Saturday about what happened on the platform. There were levels shown at that event as well, and levels shown in that in this particular game. And Houston has something to work with. They have a promising future. They obviously have found a quarterback who, uh, by all uh, intents and purposes, seems to be a uh, a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. Now, I personally don't like to anoint people after one game. I like to see if they can continue to be the be the man be the leader for that team and that franchise, but it does look very promising for Houston right now. Um, and if you are, it's got to burn you up. If you are a Panthers fan, if you are David Tepper, the owner, if you are going to be a prospective coach, it does. I mean, CJ, I'm sorry, Bryce Young, I'm pretty sure has a promising future. I don't want to give up on, I would not give up on him so quickly because he did play and produce at the biggest college football program in the country in the biggest uh, conference in the country in college football. So there's a lot to like from C.J. Stroud from that standpoint. However, it did not translate so well at the next level. Um, And so, you know, um, like I said, I hope that they're able to get things turned around. Um, We'll see. Um, But I I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, with with this particular uh, team. Sorry, one second, y'all. I'm trying to make sure that the people on Facebook will be able to see this and to react. Right now, they cannot. And I might not be able to do anything about that. Let me see. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so nothing I can do about that. I'm going to keep it moving. All right, so... Uh, as far as the Ravens, I talked about this last week. Lamar Jackson had to – he needed to win this game. He's going to be a two-time MVP. He could not afford to drop the ball. And even in this upcoming matchup, I don't – Lamar, at least this year, has to make a Super Bowl. If he wants to be seen as uh, – if he wants to be seen as someone that this league views as one of the top-tier quarterbacks in these conversations – now, listen. I'm saying in terms of how people, others view him, not how I view him. I think Lamar Jackson is a top-tier quarterback. He's a top-five quarterback in this league, even if they lose on Sunday. But because people look at this as championship or bust, or you have to prove that you're the best by winning it all, if he wants to be seen in that light with the Patrick Mahomes, he's got to get to the Super Bowl. Because here's, here's the most interesting thing about where we stand in terms of quarterbacks in this league. Aaron Rodgers is literally the last of the Mohicans. When you talk about that old guard, that previous generation, and if you followed this show over the years, I've talked about this, of what's going to happen when Manning, Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Big Ben, Eli, going to put him in there because he was a relevant quarterback. Whether or not I think he was a good quarterback is a different question, but he was a relevant one. What happens, Philip Rivers, so on and so forth, when that old guard starts to fade away and fall off the scene, what happens to the rest of uh, what, who's going to fill that void? And obviously, we've gotten what could be a, a golden era for quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, where you have Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Burrow. Um, you have those guys as a class, and you have like a Trevor Lawrence on the on the other side of that, right? And and I'm trying to think, C.J. Stroud. Who knows what Anthony Richardson is going to be? 
You have Justin Herbert, right? You have a ton of quarterbacks where if they reach the potential and the heights that their franchises believe they can reach, it is going to be a dogfight year in and year out to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I understand. I understand they didn't have a running game. I'm going to try to see. I can't pull your comments on the screen, but I can. I'm, I have another a feed running where I can see him. He didn't have a running game. Under, and to me, that's what makes what Houston did so impressive. The fact that they didn't have a running game, that they were able to make it that far because their running game was pretty much non-existent the entire year. But back to Lamar. With Lamar, um, or with this class of quarterbacks, in order to really stamp yourself or be seen as one of the greats, you have to, this is not me again. This is the expectations of media and most fans. You have to make it to Super Bowls. You have to win Super Bowls. And now for the first time in his career, the Baltimore Ravens are one step away. They're one step away from making it to the Super Bowl, and they have a formidable team. For years, we've been talking about getting pass catchers for Lamar, and now you have Zay Flowers. Now you get Odell, who Odell is not what he was, but in spurts, Odell can give you eight catches for 90 yards. And to me, the they might get uh, Mark Andrews back, but to me, the most interesting development for the Ravens is Rashad Bateman. If they get Rashad Bateman back, there I'm, I'm sorry, not get him back, but he has started to come along, and I think this is, is his third or fourth year with the Ravens. He spent most of the first three years of his career injured, and he's finally starting to be able to be healthy and make um, a contribution to the team. And if he can continue to improve, he's going to be, to me, in my opinion, in this game on Sunday, He's going to be one of the X factors as it relates to who wins or loses this game um, against the Chiefs, and which we'll get to that in a little bit later. But salute to Houston and the job that they've done. Salute to D'Amico Ryans. He's a guy that I'm rooting for. Salute to Baltimore and getting that win and proving and taking that next step. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Um, let's jump to the NFC and let's talk about – we're going to get to the Packers and the uh, – We'll get to the Packers and um, Niners game here in just a second. But let's talk about, dang, who was the other game? I'm blanking on. Oh, Lions and Buccaneers. Lions and Buccaneers. Uh, again, shout out to Detroit. This is a, a, uh, a fairy tale uh, season for them of sorts, right? They are going from not being in the playoffs for, well, I think they were in during the Matt Stafford era, right? But, not winning a playoff game in forever to now they're in their first NFC title game since 1991. They have a chance to go to a championship stage for the first time since I think the 50s. And you got to give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell. Um, I happened to watch a video of him um, on Hard Knocks, giving a speech at Hard Knocks. He was addressing his defense and the things that he expected of them um, going into uh, uh, into the season and very passionate. You can tell he cares a lot. He cares about his players. And from someone who, shout out to Dan Levitard, who called him Man Campbell. Um, he called him Man Campbell when he first got the interim job with the Dolphins. And, you know, you think about him talking about biting off kneecaps and all this other stuff, right? And... And, you know, he's a guy who has who has bided, who, who did his bidding, waited his turn. He's a coach. And now he has this team one step away from the Super Bowl. And it's funny also from this standpoint. And I want to contrast and compare him to Kyle Shanahan. Normally, stereotypically, it has been seen of especially NFL players who've played at high levels. Right. Like Dan Campbell was a tight end in the league for, I believe, 10 years. It was somewhere between eight to 10 years, played for several different teams. Detroit was one of them, played in Miami and some other places. It is normally seen that these guys are anti-analytics. They're very conservative. They don't like to take chances. And he is a guy who is sometimes seen as too aggressive for his own good. I think when I talked about him in that Dallas game, I, I equated it to a guy playing blackjack and he was dubbed and someone who 
says, hit me when you're sitting on 17, right? Whereas a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who, yes, who did play in the league. I'm not, not in the NFL. He played in college at, at, as a wide receiver at Texas, who's seen as a genius, right? He's seen as a genius offensive mind. And you would think that someone who is labeled as a genius offensive mind would be someone who would be a risk taker, who would look to seize as many opportunities as possible. And you watch in that game on Saturday night against Green Bay. And he is the very opposite, right? Going into halftime, instead of trying to maybe get a touchdown or get closer to, t- to kick a field goal, he decides to go into a shell and, and not try to take chances or not take risks, and the field goal gets blocked, right? And that's going to be something that is worth monitoring as we get to uh, – as we get closer – to this game or as we get into this game how aggressive will Kyle Shanahan be and how will I'm sorry how aggressive would Dan Campbell be and will Kyle Shanahan be aggressive at all that is something that bears watching um Jared Jared Goff the Lions are interesting to me from this standpoint they've been one of the better teams all season they've been one of the more consistent teams all season in a season where consistency was not the hallmark of some of the better teams in the league you think about the chiefs and the ups and downs that they've had this year the bills the ups and downs that they've had this year the Bengals don't make the playoffs um and so it'll be interesting to see can one of the the more consistent teams all season when they are one win away can they produce one more consistent game? Because to me, part of the, the X factor of this game is who's going to be the team who can stay the course? Who's going to be the team that can keep their head, who can, no matter what's happening around them, to them, um, mentally, physically, can they just keep pushing ahead? And this game, it, it's funny, the game started off slow. And then all of a sudden from the second half, in the second half, it picked up offensively scoring back and forth and you end up with Todd Bowles making a couple of interesting decisions. One, the decision to not go for I'm sorry, to go for two near the end of the game. And then at the end of the game, when Detroit's taking a knee after the, after the Baker Mayfield interception of Todd Bowles saying, well, look, they were going to kick the field goal. There was no reason to go for it. The game was over or to, or to try to call timeouts. So it'll be, excuse me. That was a fun, that was a fun little matchup, fun little matchup. And, as far as the the Buccaneers, as far as they go, um, do you, if you are Todd Bowles, if you are the front office of Tampa Bay, do you think that you have uh, found your quarterback in Baker Mayfield? Um, a guy who's bounced around, who's been in various places here and there, and he played well. I don't think it was the best game of his career, but I think he played Based on what I, I put it to you like this, if you are a Buccaneers fan or an NFL fan or whatever, based on what you've seen from from uh, Baker Mayfield in the past, do you think that he exceeded expectations? Do you think he met expectations? Did he underachieve? And to me, he met expectations. He's a former number one overall pick, for goodness sakes, right? Like he's someone that I expect to play well, that I expect to um have a good season and so he had a decent season they got some questions to answer offensively I know Chiefs fans have been looking at Mike Evans and saying come on over to this side all it's from the preseason on um what (laughs) will he choose to stay now he says he wants to stay in Tampa but I'm pretty sure that comes with a cost right he's not looking to stay for pennies will they resign him they're an older team. What happens to some of their older guys? What happens to Vita Vale? What happens to Devin White, um, who had kind of been in a rotation with another linebacker coming into that playoff game? What happens to that team? If I'm, the, if I'm uh, Tampa, I run it back with, with Baker because here's the thing. What are you going to do? Who else are you going to uh, get to be your starting quarterback? And so, yes, I would re-sign him to a short-term deal, uh, nothing crazy, 
maybe 20, 25 million a year. He might be looking for 30. Nah, no, 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 we're not trying to do that. But a good 20, 25 million dollars a year uh, deal. Do your thing. And maybe if we can re-sign Mike Evans, get better in the draft, add more uh, skill position talent, then maybe we could win the South again if I'm a Buccaneers fan or working in that front office. So I don't know, man. That's, that's going to be interesting to see. All right. So let me let me jump to let me know what y'all think about that, man. Hit us up at Brains and Bars. What do you think about the Lions? What do you think about the Buccaneers? Should the Bucks bring back Baker Mayfield? What other changes do you think they need to make in the offseason? Let's jump into uh, this game between um, the Niners and the Packers, which saving the Chiefs and the Bills for last. Right. So Niners Packers, if you don't know, I am a Niners fan. Again, shout out to the homie Ward, shout out to Jaden Guy, shout out to the platform. This event was scheduled before we knew the Niners were going to be playing on, on Saturday night. Right. So Saturday night, the event goes down. Um, I get there. I think the game had just kicked off. And all due respect to the MCs. Normally, when I go to these battle rap events, I'm I'm pretty locked in. Um, but my team is playing, and there's there's pressure, right? Because the Packers came into that game massive underdogs. I think they were nine and a half point underdogs. They shocked the NFL world, if you will, when they uh, with a resounding victory over Dallas, right? I mean, put the pause on them. Put the pause on them. And so they come into this game. They're playing with house money. They got nothing to lose, right? So this game is going on, and like I said, I'm locked in to what's happening on my phone i am locked in but still able to keep an ear because i don't have the sound up i'm able to keep an ear towards a bar and it seemed like all night long when a dope bar landed i caught it right marasha had a dope bar about you know um about mm, about jay love uh being a clone of hers um hold on one second y'all about J-Love being a clone of hers. And I was like, I like that, right? Bad News had a crazy bar, wine dot bar. I like that. Like, I'm I'm locked in, right? But I'm watching this game. I'm pacing back and forth. And I am nervous now. I'm normally not too stressed about what's going on. Um, but I am stressed about this game because the Niners, again, they're heavy favorites. They are not pulling away. They are looking sloppy. Brock Purdy's playing terribly. Defense is playing terribly. They're slipping all over the field. The Packers are not slipping at all. And I'm freaking out, right? So we get to the end of the game. I think Ward's getting ready to battle. He's coming up next. He he we huddle up. He's like, yo, can you pray? And I'm like, listen, bro. Normally I would pray. My mind is everywhere else but prayer right now. Cobbins, can you pray? Because I I like I said, I, I'm stressed out. Right. So get to the end of the game. Jordan Love throws the interception. And Shout out to Dre, Dre. I like to call him Draymond Greenlaw because he is like Draymond Green, a habitual line stepper. He's always skirting the line between uh, aggression and personal foul, unnecessary roughness. And so I've made jokes about Dre about, man, something wrong with that brother. Like he's not right in the head. And that interception happens. And I'm like, cool. Bet game over. I am satisfied. I am happy. This game is won. They're going on to the to the championship game. It's an ugly win, but an ugly win is better than an ugly loss, right? I'm super hyped. But then I see this brother, and he running, and I'm like, okay, he's running. Okay, okay, he's running around. And then if you watch the TV feed, right, you see someone's hat go up, and it blocks your view of the camera. And so I'm thinking when the hat goes up, I'm like, oh, he's down. So we're good. And all of a sudden I hear he's still running. At that point in this venue, it was not a huge venue. Um, and if your voice battle rap is about. So if you don't watch battle rap, battle rap is if you are a, a, a person who can project their voice. Well, if your voice can carry, um, you can be pretty loud without a mic. Thank God it's in between a battle. There's not a battle that's happening. And when I see Dre. Draymond Greenlaw is still running down the field. I start screaming in the venue at the top of my voice. 
Get down. What are you doing? Fall down. Go down. Like I am losing my mind in this venue. And now everyone, people are having conversation. They're laughing. They're having a good time. Everyone is now going, what? What? What's going on with that, brother? Like everyone's staring at me and I could not care a, an ounce. I wanted Dre on down. Stop, drop, shut him down, open up, shot. Like I wanted him on the ground and he is running like it is peewee football. He finally gets tackled by Jaden Reed, who is trying to strip the ball away from him. And I am now like, if you've ever, if you're a parent, right? And let's just say, you know, around the age of like two, three, four, when kids, um, they've learned how to walk, right? And they know they can run. And then sometimes if you've ever been outside with a kid, they don't know about danger and boundaries yet, right? They're still learning. You're still teaching them about boundaries and you don't run towards the street. One time, my son, God bless him. He was around that age. We were outside. And my son at a young age, really, he loved to be around other kids, right? He's the only child. So when he got to be around other kids, he loved them. Like, it didn't matter whether you were related to him or not. When he saw a kid, he was like, I'm, 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 I'm in there, right? So we pull up one, one time at home. And I can't remember if it was another kid. There was something across the street. I believe there was another kid across the street. We pull up in the driveway. With my, my wife gets him out the car seat. She's grabbing some stuff. My mom is with us. And all of a sudden, my mom goes, Ethan, no. My wife looks. I wasn't there. My wife looks. And my son is has seen a next door neighbor, a kid across the street. And he's like, playtime. And he is hauling it across the yard towards the street. Now, thankfully, we, we, uh, where we lived at the time was not a, was a residential area. There wasn't a, a place of, of heavy traffic and cars coming through. But if there would have been one coming through, it was it would have been bad. And my wife is like panicked. And so she's screaming his name. She's chasing after him and he is gone. Right. She doesn't catch him until he's in the neighbor's driveway. She finally catches him and she is losing her mind. Don't you ever do that again. That is so dangerous. Ah! Right. She is spazzing on him. She's going crazy on him. That was me in that event when Dre is not getting down on the ground. What is wrong with you? Why did you not go down? What? What? And my homie Trent, Trent's like, bro, calm down. You won. I'm like, no, he gave me a heart attack. Like I am losing my crap. All that to say. After the game, they asked Dre. What were you doing? Like, why didn't you go down? Uh, and he says, well, uh, the homie Fred, Fred Warner said, hey, man, I, I think you're going to get a pick six tonight. And so I was just trying to make it happen for him. I'm going to repeat that one more time. He said, the homie Fred said, I'm going to get a pick six. So I was trying to make it happen. Now, bump the game. Bump the fact that you that you your your defense while they did their thing in the fourth quarter struggled for most of the game. You're barely winning. It is pouring down rain. You have people chasing you whose entire goal right now is to keep you upright and rip the ball out of your arms while he running around like this swimming. In the venue, I said, man, I am convinced that brother has CTE. I don't know what's wrong with him, but I'm convinced he's got CTE. I love him. I love Dre. I, big play Dre. Love him to death. But in that moment, I'm like, my guy, my G. Why? Why, why, why? <laughs> but the Niners escaped. And a couple of things. It was, it was a poor performance from Brock. It was a poor coaching performance and play calling from Kyle Shanahan. Um, again, I reference his unwillingness to go for it on fourth down uh, or go for it at the end of half. And thankfully it worked out in his favor because I do, I am fearful that if they had gotten closer and Jake Moody makes the field goal. And so at that point, when Brock needs this do or die drive to win the game, 
they would have only needed a field goal to win. And I do fear that had they not needed a touchdown, that Kyle would have played for the field goal in where the condition, I mean, again, it rained all night long. And so you can't trust that a kicker won't slip and the ball won't just go haywire. And so I'm thankful at least that his folly and not going for it um, on fourth down or not going for it near the half did not cost him nor the Niners, right? So that leads me to Ryan Clark. And I'm going to see if I can get this set up because I have this whole elaborate video presentation. And so, you know, Brock Purdy all season long has been the uh, in the middle of an intense debate about his worth and just how good he is and how and whether or not he is a game changer or a uh, game manager. Shout out to Cam Newton, right? And so I happened to be watching, or actually I didn't see that. I think during my lunch break, I saw a video from Ryan. He was on Get Up. I'm going to see if I can present this because I want to be able to, for you all to see this as well. So give me just a second. I'm going to see if I can set this up. Um, I don't think I can, which is going to stink if I can't because I don't want to run the actual video because I don't want to get a copyright strike. So let me see if I can get this uh, get this thing popping. A few minutes later. I'm about to um, make a confession. Mm. The single hardest thing I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with the other people we're mentioning in that tweet. Mm. Because he was playing extremely well and – operating in that offense and distributing the ball to Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, we had to continue to include him in conversations with the Lamar Jacksons. We had to continue to include him in conversations with the Josh Allen. Those I things stop right are here. not alike. Yes, Ryan. I understand that Brock Purdy is not on the same level physically and talent-wise as Lamar Jackson, as uh, Patrick Mahomes or Josh or, or Josh Allen, right? But here's the thing. Just because he is not as talented as them does not mean that his performance this season did not put him in the same room with those great people. I believe that Ryan is a, a spiritual man, a believer. And so Proverbs 18 talks about that your talent will put you in the room with great people to put you before a great man. His performance put him in the space to be mentioned with some of the best quarterbacks in the game, both from a performance standpoint and a talent standpoint. So yes, he does belong there. He did. He, his name should be mentioned with the best in the game right now because he performed like one of the best in the game, regardless of where he was drafted, regardless of the talent level that he has, regardless of who's around him. But let's keep going. Brock Purdy is a fine player. Brock Purdy can operate in Kyle Shanahan's offense at an extremely efficient level. Brock Purdy doesn't raise the level of play of anyone around him. And so when you talk about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Matter of fact, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't raise the level of play of anyone who is around him. Now, Brock Purdy leads the league in EPA, yards per completion. He's top five in um, yards per he's – he's, he leads the league in yards per attempt. He's top five in just about every statistical category you wish to name. It is not possible. It is literally not possible for you to be number one in uh, passer rating. I don't think he's number one in QBR. Passer rating. Um, top five in yards. Top five in touchdown. Top five in success rate. It is literally impossible for you to be top five in darn near everything and you not elevate. George Kittle, we consider to be one of the premier tight ends in the country, in the, I'm going to say the country like it's college football, in the National Football League. 
first time he's ever had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Brock Purdy setting franchise records. You cannot do those things and not elevate. And I can hear those of you now going, well, well, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he led him to a Super Bowl, right? So what does that say? Okay, cool. But at no point did Jimmy Garoppolo ever have the offense looking like this. At no point did he ever, were we ever considering him to be an MVP candidate? At no point was he ever the betting favorite to be an MVP, right? Go and pull up that 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo season and look at this season from Brock Purdy. And in every instance, you will see Brock Purdy statistically performed better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And the number one reason why I know that this is not a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense, because if Jimmy Garoppolo would have been spraying the ball around like Brock Purdy was on Saturday night, Kyle Shanahan would have ran Christian McCaffrey into the ground. We saw it with our own eyes, people. We saw in these games where he threw it, he would where Jimmy would throw an interception in a playoff game, and then Kyle calls 20 straight run plays. He trusts Brock Purdy, even in the driving ring where he cannot seem to find an open wide receiver or cannot connect with an open wide receiver because people were open. He just wasn't hitting. Let's continue. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the people around them benefit from having those sorts of players at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy benefits from having the sort of players he has at the skill positions around him. And so when we look at that game. Well, uh, uh, I am sick of this argument. We have got to make up our mind. Is football a team sport or it is simply all about the quarterback and all these other pieces are interchangeable and they don't really matter? Because. I, I, Brock Purdy is not Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to compare him to Patrick from this standpoint. It annoyed the heck out of me to see Patrick Mahomes elevate the Chiefs offense to heights that had never been seen before and then have people try to knock him down a peg by saying, well, I mean, he's got Andy Reid and he's got Tyreek Hill and he's got Travis Kelsey. Of course he's going to be great. You know who else had those characters on their team? Alex Smith. You know what didn't happen with Alex Smith? Six straight AFC championship games, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl victories, three Super Bowl. None of that happened when he had all those same things and Kareem Hunt, by the way. None of that happened. When Jimmy was there, yes, they made a Super Bowl. But if you look at everything outside of that Super Bowl run, Jimmy was either injured or not performing up to up to expectations. I've already laid out the statistical argument for Brock being better than Jimmy. The talent that Brock came into, those guys can be schemed open. They can through their skill, they can get open. You still got to put the ball on them. And that was something that Jimmy Garoppolo struggled to do a lot, especially down the field. Brock hit his marks. If they're open, he's getting it to him. You look at that throw on third down to IU, that's a dot. That is a ball that has to be placed in a particular spot where only his guy can get it with a defender draped all over him. He makes the throw. So please spare me with, well, he doesn't have Debo. Let me tell you something. De- missing Debo Samuel was not the problem on Saturday. That The weather was the problem on Saturday because guys were open and he was missing them. His mental was the problem on Saturday, not having Debo Samuel. Samuel, let's continue. Against the Green Bay Packers, even with Jordan Love throwing an inopportune, inexplicable interception to end the game, I was sitting there watching them going, man, the world should be, the NFL world should be excited that Jordan Love doesn't play for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sorry, did we watch the same game? Did we watch? I get it. Jordan Love played, at least in the first half, right, in parts of the third quarter, played really well. As a whole, if you want to look at the game as a whole, he outplayed Brock Purdy as a whole, right? However, the same Jordan Love who played well for three quarters through two interceptions embraced his full Brett Favre by throwing across his body, back across the field, not to somebody who was wide open, but where three Niner defenders were. Right. 
the guy who can't do it without Debo, the guy who it doesn't belong to be in the same sentence with the Mahomeses and the Allens and the Jacksons, did the thing that nobody said he could do, which was lead a game-winning drive. And let's, let's, bust, let's bust that fable down real quick. Brock Purdy has been over his two years and I think four or five situations where he's needed to complete a game winning drive, right? Or a game tying drive. Last year against the Raiders, um, they went into Allegiant. Jared Stidham had got, was getting his first start because I don't know if Derek Carr was being benched or if he was hurt at that point, but the Niners were down 10, 24, 14 with about five minutes left in the third quarter. That game was tied at 34 at the end of the fourth quarter, where Brock Purdy led them down the field, got into field goal range, and Robbie Gould missed the field goal. Fast forward to this year. He was in two, in the four losses, there were two opportunities where they needed Brock Purdy to make something happen and get them into field goal range for a chance to win. The first one was the Cleveland game, where he wasn't good in that game, but when they needed him to be good, he got them into field goal range. And Jake Moody, missed the field goal that would have won them the game. The the Minnesota game, I don't – so f- for the sake of argument, he didn't perform well, right? He threw two interceptions on his final two drives, and they lost the game. However, you find out after the fact he suffered a concussion, and so I don't really know how to uh, properly put that game into context. Am I shooting him some bail because he his noggin got scrambled, his egg got scrambled? Yeah, a little bit. But if you want to say, eh, he's, he played in the game, and so if he was too, if he was too hurt, he should have came out and let uh, Sam Darnold take over. I, I can't I can't argue that. But let's continue. Again, Brock Purdy has made plays to win games or send them into overtime. So it's just that the kickers didn't come through in two of those three instances. And we are starting, at least in my opinion, to get into the realm the San Francisco 49ers used to be with Jimmy Garoppolo. Where it was, yeah, with Kyle Shanahan calling plays, we could be really good. With the players around him, we could be really good. But can our quarterback take us to the next level? Now, for all of the the shout out to uh, Mr. Simone Biles on the screen there. Um, for all of the things that I disagree with Ryan about, this is the one point where. I'm in agreement with him because this was the first time on Saturday night where I watched Brock Purdy and I got Jimmy G vibes where when he pulled that arm up to throw a pass, I had no idea where it was going. And I haven't had that feeling with him in, in all of, I think he's what 23, 24 starts. I haven't had that feeling until Saturday night, but here's where I will agree with him on the Jimmy G vibes, at least from this standpoint. I took a still shot of this picture to show him as he was going back to pass, wiping his hand off to dry it. The brothers can't play when it rains. That is a concern because you're not going to, I get it. It never rains in Southern California, but it rains a lot up in Northern California. (laughs) And so if you are going to be in this climate or have to go to Green Bay or have to go to um, dang, I'm trying to think of another cold weather city where it or Philly, right? Or you might have to go to or hey, it rains in Florida all the time. If you got to go to Tampa, Chicago, where it could rain, it could be snowing. I have concerns about handing over the future of a franchise of a guy who can't seem to play well when inclement weather's around. So I agree with this point from Rob. And now that it's getting down to the critical football moments, to the moments that turn good players into legends that turn good teams into teams we never forget, you're starting to see. You don't take Brock Purdy over Jared Goff right now, and you for sure. That's debatable. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll, res- I'll do respect to Jared Goff. He's, he might be one of only, I think Peyton did it, Brady did it. Um, there's, a, there's two more guys who did it, who might take a team, multiple teams to Super Bowls. Um, so that would put him in very uh, in a very elite company. I think it's like for Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, Brady, Manning. I think there's one more who have taken multiple teams to Super Bowls. So that would be amazing. But I don't know if I want to take Jared over Purdy. That's, that's just me. 
sure don't take Brock Purdy over the two dudes on the other side in the AFC. So if you're the San Francisco 49ers, you're thinking to yourself right now, this team that we were starting to run through our quarterback better run through Uncle Shannon's nephew, Christian McCaffrey. Because if it doesn't, they're going to find themselves at home again without a ring. I uh, That last point, I agree. That last point, I agree. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was the whole thing. So, that leads me to – I want to talk about the this game on Sunday, and then I'll talk about Chiefs Bills, and then we'll talk about Chiefs Ravens, all right? So, Sunday, Lions – Niners, who do I think is going to win and why? I'm going to take the Niners. I'm going to roll with my guys. The pessimist in me is expecting them to lose because if they do lose, it'll help me cope a little bit better. That's just how I I deal with things, right? But I think the Niners will win in part because it's going to be better weather out there. I think that the Lions have, they can get to the quarterback, but they have to simulate and and manufacture pressure. And another statistic that Brock Purdy led the league in he was the best quarterback against the Blitz this year. So if you can pressure him all you like, it does not necessarily phase him, right? It can it can slow the Niners down. I think the Giants game, that the offense uh, was slowed down a little by all the blitzing from Wink Martindale. So you can slow the Niners down with Blitz. But I think that they're going to run all that pressure at, at Brock, simulated pressure, sending five and six guys to try to make up for the fact that their pass rush cannot always get home with four and they're going, and that is going to play into the hands of the Niners. Also Cam Sutton on the lions. He seems to be the Mark. If you don't know what I mean by the Mark, he is the guy that's going to be targeted by, (laughs) by Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. I am afraid of Colton McKivitz versus, um, Aiden Hutchinson, but hopefully they'll have they'll slide some protection his way, have some chipping happen to try to slow him down. Defensively, for the Niners, though, they have to be better defensively and they have to be able to get home. I don't think they blitz Jordan Love very much. Maybe they were concerned about his ability to uh, stretch a play out and, and make things happen with his legs. Jared Goff does not present the same set of challenges. And so you'll be able to get after him. And if you can get pressure with four, you don't have to necessarily sack Jared Goff, but if you can get pressure, then he will make some bad throws. He will make some bad plays. However, on the Niners side of things, (laughs) defensively, Ambry Thomas is the mark. You saw him targeted several times in that game, racking up PIs. And so, my concern for them is can they get home and protect Ambry Thomas, who, to his credit, I'll say this, I'll shoot him some bail. He can be Jekyll and Hydeish. There have been games in the playoffs where he's played really well, and there have been games in the playoffs where he has not played well at all, Saturday being one of those things. I think the spread is too high. At least the last time I checked, it was seven, six and a half. If I was a gambling man, I would drive over to Kansas and place a bet on the Lions six and a half. I am not. Um, to me, I think that line would probably get down to about five and a half by the time we kick off, because I do think a lot of people are going to take the Lions to cover. That might be an emotional bet. It might be the Sharps out there who think that's a good that's a good number to get in on. But I think that the Niners will win the game. I think they're going to go to their what second Super Bowl in like five or six years. Um, and I think they end this, you know, fairy tale run from Detroit. Um, shout out to my homie Jesse. I got a coworker at work who's a Lions fan. I feel bad for you if this if this happens to come true, um, but I think I think the Niners are going to get it done. Um, so, all right, so let's let's let me know what y'all think about that. Who y'all got? Lions, Bills. Let's get into this uh, this championship game. Um, I'm so, in the and I'm sorry. Let's go back to the divisional game. Chiefs versus Bills. Right, game of the weekend. It seems like every time the Chiefs and the Bills link up in the playoffs lately, it is a classic, great football game. This was no exception. 27-24, Kansas City. Um, and let me start here. First of all, let me um, – shame on you, McCall Hartman. Shame on you. I was on a date night, and I was being pretty a pretty good husband for the most part. 
They had the TV on and the tie place. I'm looking at it. I'm still having good conversation, paying attention, enjoying my meal. Game is on, you know. I'm, 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 yeah. And McColl gets a jet sweep on the two-yard line. And instead of going down, he stretches out to try to score a touchdown, and he gets stripped. And at that point, my attention went from my lovely wife to the screen. And so I am guilty of being an in, of being an inattentive husband for the rest of the game because the tension went from, okay, she's about to go up 10 and I'm not sure Josh Allen can overcome that to, oh my God, what's going to happen next? So shame on you, McCall. You ruined a good date night for me, sir. I'll take my share of the blame later. Right now, you got to carry it because I'm the man with the mic. But as for the rest of this game, again, a great game, a near classic game, a back and forth affair. And I've said this before. So if you have listened to this show, what I'm going to say is not going to be new news to you. Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. And I talked earlier about there being a void in the great quarterbacks and who's going to ascend to the throne. Patrick Mahomes is clearly sitting on the throne as the best quarterback in the league. And yes, you have the Lamars and the Joshes and the Justins and the Joes and all these other guys who are vying to ascend to the throne and remove him, but they have all been unsuccessful. And even in a loss, if they were to happen to lose on Sunday, he, he still sits at the head of the table. Shout out to Roman Reigns. He still is your tribal chief, even if he loses on Sunday, because he is off to the best start of a career in NFL history. Tom Brady comes close. Dan Marino is in, the, is in, the, in that realm, but there is no one like Patrick Mahomes in the career he's had thus far. And shout out to MVS. So I saw somebody say that he's like, uh, he's the Frank Clark or wide receivers. Once it gets in the playoffs, he steps up. He makes two huge catches. But Isaiah Pacheco um, running like he hates the ground. Running like as if the ground owes him something. The offensive line did their thing. Matt Nagy, a guy that I have been, uh, maligning all season long, calling one of his best games of the season, along with Andy Reid, outside of that jet sweep for, for McColl. Great game plan. The defense be getting uh, stout at the right time and getting the stops and, and doing what needs to be done. The Chiefs know how to turn it up once the playoffs get here, man. Um, and they're just uh, – they. I think people have avoided saying this because they wanted to wait and see if the Chiefs could potentially go back to back or waiting for them to win their third title in six years or seven years. This is a dynasty, man. I, I shout out to my homies at Legacy Cuts. Um, shout out to Mano. Shout out to Jay Money. They were like, hey, if the Chiefs win, we get a shout out. There's your shout out, gentlemen. And I heard a little birdie say if they go to the Super Bowl, they might give away a free haircut or two. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to check with them first. Don't show, don't pull up on them and tell them A1 sent you until I can get so I can confirm that. But this is a dynasty. We are watching a team do what we did not think was possible once the Patriots left the throne. Six straight AFC title games, um, the second longest streak after the, the Patriots from 2011 to 2018. Uh, there are a couple of records for receptions and touchdowns that Travis Kelsey has a chance to take from Jerry Rice in the playoffs records that seemed untouchable. And the most amazing thing about that is he's basically done this over this six year run with, with Patrick Mahomes, right? They have, they have the record, the postseason record for most uh, quarterback to receiver touchdown, like, what they have been able to amass and what they've been able to do in this run is it is Patriot like guys. And it's time that we start to honor the chiefs as this new dynasty, that we start to look at them as this is the team year in and year out. As long as they have 15, they are going to be a threat. And let me tell you something. 
if the Ravens somehow are not able to get it done on Sunday and defeat this Chiefs team that had all the issues at wide receiver, that had all the drops, all the miscues, Juwan Taylor false starting out of control, Juwan Taylor um, setting up too deep into the backfield, the holding penalties, all the all these issues on offense. If you can't get them now, when are you going to get them? When? Please help me. I, I don't know. So that leads me to make a prediction for this game. Let me send out one more mea culpa, if you will. I need to, I need to own one more apology. Shout out to Country Boy from Kingdom Cash. Um, if you haven't checked them out, they're one of the dope uh, podcasts covering the Kansas City Chiefs. I told him on Twitter, I said, yo, I think the Chiefs are going to bow out in the, in the division round. I said this like during the season because I thought there's no way that they can continue for year after year after year to make it to the AFC title game. Like the, the luck's got to run out sometime. My apologies. Pardon self. I got that wrong. Um, I got the Ravens. I hate to do it to you again, Kansas City. I'm sorry. Chiefs kingdom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to go with the Ravens. I talked about their linebacking core and uh, maybe I did, or maybe I didn't, but Rokon Smith and uh, Patrick queen, they are in the same realm as Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner as the two, as the best linebacking duo in the league. And the thing that they have in common with Greenlaw and Warner is that they are fast. And when they hit, they are fast like safeties, but when they hit you, they hit you like linebackers, right? A lot of a problem with like the Cowboys, for example, is that they have safeties masquerading as linebackers. They're too small. And so you can run over and through them for that reason. It is rare that you're able to run over or through the Niners because their linebackers normally are cleaning things up. And the back seven for the Ravens is fierce. And their front four is also really, really, really good. There's a reason why they spent most of their season in the lead. They spent, I think it might be an NFL record for how much time they spent winning and in the lead of football games, right? Kyle Hamilton, all pro safety, a guy who should have been a top 10 pick coming out of the league, is a Swiss army knife of a defender. He can go from blitzing Mahomes to covering Kelsey to sticking Rasheed Rice to covering uh, MVS. He he can play linebacker. He can be whatever they need him to be other than a D lineman, just about. And so to me, those three guys are going to be the players that are going to make Mahomes is a magician. He's Jordan, man. I'm not saying he's going to get shut down. I'm not saying he won't get no touchdowns. I'm saying they're going to harass that young man and make his life super, super, super difficult. And I don't know how (laughs) the Chiefs are going to get it done. I don't. I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, And so I have the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I got the Niners in the Super Bowl. In a rematch from, I think it was week 13. Maybe week might have been a little bit later. Week thirteen, week fourteen. Chiefs Kingdom. I want to be wrong about this. I'm gonna be honest. I want my get back from 2019. I want the Niners in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs because I do think there won't be no rain inside Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. And I think if the 49ers get a chance to take on Mahomes again, I think the Niners get it done this time. If, you know, I'll save my, my prediction for if it's the Ravens, but I am hoping to be wrong about this pick. I want to see Chiefs Niners in the Super Bowl so my team can get their lick back. Y'all let me know what y'all think about that, man. That's been my time. I appreciate y'all sticking with me. I'm going to try to fix my issue with the audio on the Ryan Clark thing in post. So when I post it on YouTube, you can see exactly what I was rebuttaling um 
I try to fix that also on the podcast side. So I appreciate y'all sticking with me through this episode. Um, remember, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing on the podcast app of your choice by searching It's a Black and White Thing or Brains and Bars. You can find us on YouTube by also searching at Brains and Bars. You can find us on social media by searching Brains and Bars on Facebook, YouTube. I'm sorry, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. The next time has been a black and white thing. I will see y'all for the battle rap crowd. I will see y'all Thursday. I'm gonna try to highlight war for about an hour to talk about the the we go. I'm gonna say we go hard. That's Jay Love's lead. Um, to talk about the platform we're here event his battle versus Gwitty, champion of the year, all that good battle rap stuff. So until next time, y'all be easy. Have a good night, and I will see y'all when I see y'all. Peace.